we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 183 weeks into two weeks to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside a very hungry and a very um, uh, ambitious uh, to dig into this leftover barbecue. Uh, Marty Foster. Marty, how are you? I'm, I'm very well. Thank you very much. I'm a little bit tired. I was up till midnight last night because we were barbecuing. And despite the fact that it's September and it gets dark, um, we managed to, to keep going uh, with three sources of, of heat, uh, a chimney, an outdoor wood burner, and a gas barbecue and plenty of excellent good quality beef lamb pork chicken was cooked not a single cricket bug or any kind of non-animal protein was there so yeah a very good night had by all at least three bottles of prosecco consumed plus several jugs of pims by the ladies the other two gentlemen were both driving so they were on soft drinks and I was on a very nice beer that comes from Barcelona called Estrella. Other forms of Spanish lager are also available. Uh, why don't you tell everybody the uh, the barbecue you're holding on the uh, at the end of the plate there? What, what do you got? Okay, so um, I've got half. This is half of one of the the ribeyes. Um, uh -huh. They, I, I went to the butchers and asked for because they had stuff in the window uh, in the refrigerated display cabinet. But they were too thin. If you don't get a good, at least two fingers thick ribeye, you cannot cook it proper, rare or medium rare. Um, because if it's too thin, it cooks too fast, and it's just not as chew worthy, succulent, and juicy as you mm -hmm. might otherwise get. Yeah, so, worst steak I ever I, had in my life was in France, and it was one of those thin ones. And I thought, oh, this is going to be great. No, it was terrible. Well, well, the French have an excellent cuisine however i think these kind of steaks are, are much more from your country of origin as in the what the way they're nice and thick and juicy and good fat marbling and of course these mushrooms are the giant mushrooms oh yes the portobellos yeah yeah so they were just put onto the grill and then uh garlic butter poured all over them as they cooked and of course, that flavoured the skillet as well for the everything else that was going into it. The lamb was particularly good because I I coated that with um, a mixture of olive oil, mint, and honey, uh, and that that was really good. The um, the pork belly was uh, sort of marinated in soy sauce. 
garlic and sweet chili. Uh, well, I want a bit thank, of English mustard. <laughs> thank, thank you for that detailed menu that you put together for us. It sounds, uh, it sounds You're lovely. Welcome. Uh, but I, I have to say that, you know, I don't want to speak for him since he's not here, unfortunately, but because um, I would love to have a conversation with the man. Klaus is not amused that you're eating animal meat products. Klaus can kiss my ass. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm sure that he can. Uh, mm. Before we get started today, I would like to tell our listeners just a little bit about the subscription services that we now offer. So if you like the content that you're hearing, if you are interested in supporting the work that we do, then we would greatly appreciate it if you would consider becoming one of our paid subscribers. By doing this, you unlock a number of features such as access to our private messaging platform where you can contact us directly. Also, you have the ability to give us some feedback, not just messages, but you can give us some feedback as well. We can correspond back and forth. Also, you have early access to our exclusive podcast that you otherwise would not get. And if you are so inclined to find out what goes on behind the scenes here, then we offer exclusive access to our prep sessions, which are uncut, uncensored, and you get to hear Marty in all his glory quite candidly. Do they not? They do. So I've still got a mouthful of steak. My apologies. No, it's all good. Again, if you're interested in becoming one of our paid subscribers, then you can click the link in the program description below, and it will take you over to our subscription page, and you can decide what you would like to do from there. Subscriptions start at just $5 per month. So on to the events of the day. Marty, where would you like to start? You want to start with Russell Brand? Do you, you want to start there? Do you want to start with... Um, Before we yep. go to Russell Brand, uh huh. Um, I want to just talk about a recent, well, yesterday and the day before, bit of a spat on Facebook. I noticed that someone, or maybe maybe it was Twitter or X, as it's as it's known now. People were complaining about the fact that this nurse in the UK that has been found guilty and sentenced uh, for the mass murder of several babies under her care um, had launched, or uh, lawyers had launched an appeal. And they are, you know, people are saying she shouldn't be allowed an appeal. It shouldn't happen. It's it's wrong that she should get an appeal. And as much as I dislike this woman and think that everything that she's been found guilty of is abhorrent, people crying out for the withdrawal of the right to appeal is just mental. It's mad. Remember, these governments that we have at the moment are trying to kill us. There's no doubt about it. They're trying to destroy our economies, break our businesses, control us uh, as if we were in, you know, countries like Iran or or North Korea or Russia or China. Uh, and they're trying to effect that kind of level of control on us now. If they want to trump up a charge against you, such as uh, the charges about using energy uh, and not having the right appliances or refusing to allow um, engineers to come into your house to fit the meters that would then control your use of energy, where you can get £15,000 fines and up to a year in prison. Without the right to appeal, all of this can absolutely crucify normal, everyday working people and see them behind bars without any right to appeal. So that's what I wanted just to say to start off with. Be careful what you wish for. As much as you want, may want this very evil woman who killed babies in her care to not have the right to appeal, you don't want to say that loudly because governments, the governments we have at the moment, will take that as an indication that they can get away with changing our laws 
to remove that right to appeal. That was it. Sorry. So what do you want to talk about now? Well, uh, first, before we move on to the uh, the Russell Brand thing, I'd like to respond to, to something you said there. And I, I have to say that at one point, I agreed with your sentiment. And I think that, that what you said, I think, and, and I don't, I'm not saying you're wrong, so I need to be very clear here. I think what you said there resonates with a lot of people, but I think we need to be a little bit more objective about it. And, and by that, I mean, I don't believe at the end of the day, I don't believe any longer because of the research that, that we've dug into, I don't believe that our governments want to kill us. What I believe is that the communist subverters within our governments are trying to kill us. That's what I believe. So we need to be very specific about that. For example, and I need to send this to you, and I apologize that I haven't sent it to you yet, but I need to send you the uh, secret speech that we have from General Chiao Chen from 2003 that was meant for top Chinese Communist Party brass and military brass and not for Western eyes to ever see. And in there, he lays out very specifically to the top party cadres that they are going to use biological warfare against the West to take us down before they actually hit us militarily. Now, that being the case, if I'm saying this to my top party officials in 2003 and my top military officials in 2003, if I'm China, then I'm going to spend the next 20 years, i.e. now, getting all of my people, all of my agents and all of my operatives into governments, into health departments, into academia, and into the police forces and organized crime to make sure that my stage is set for when that actually happens. And as we have moved to this point now with COVID, you bring in the COVID thing, everything that was done here, especially by people like Mr. Ferguson, who I believe is one of those individuals, either knowingly or unknowingly, the fact is, is that whatever happened in communist China, as far as their policies are now being mimicked here, as you stated. So that's where I stand on it. The thing is, we here in the UK have effectively got a two-party system now. Forget the Liberal Democrats. We've got Labour and we've got the Conservatives. And all of the main players, I would say the entire cabinet and shadow cabinet, are compromised in some way. They're either compromised by ideology and so therefore will support this move to totalitarianism or they are being blackmailed. And that is the 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 next topic that we're going to talk about. And it links into Russell Brand and how you wanted to to look at his recent woes. We need to, and I, I bore myself every time I say it, stop voting for parties. We only should vote for independents who represent what we want for our our locale, our constituency. The parties will do what the parties want, whereas independents stand uh, on certain policies and to represent what their constituency wants. Otherwise, they'd be wasting their time. They don't just get up and say, I want to be a member of parliament because I really want to. Please vote for me. They say, I want to be a member of parliament because I want to improve the standard of living for the people within this constituency. and I'm going to do it by the following methods. That's what they stand on, and that's how they can be held accountable. They don't have a whip, you know, uh, a part of the party organisation telling them how to vote on certain policies. And every member of parliament has the right to raise what we call private members' bills. So it is the way ahead. Slowly but surely, the grip on British politics that Labour and the Conservatives have will be removed and fixed if we can get people to vote for independence. 
I agree. Uh, and that's that's something that we had talked about many years ago, uh, and that was developing parliaments of independence. And we, we vote for people based on what they stand for and not uh, party politics, because party politics, you know, I'm I'm not convinced any longer that that parties are the way forward. I lost that vision a long time ago. I think people need to come to the, uh, the, the reality of the situation that their salvation does not rely in a political party. It never has. People are their own worst enemy in this sense. You know, they, they need to recognize that they are their own salvation. Their ideas are their own salvation. Now, when we go through and we say these blanket terms, such as democracy, right? We love to throw that word around, right? We throw that all over the place. Oh, democracy, our liberal democracy, our, our a representative democracy. Well, what on earth does that even mean? Nobody ever defines that, right? Because we don't have a way to define it. That's the problem. We all just say, oh, well, democracy. Well, the U.S., we've been saying the U.S. is a democracy for how many years now? The U.S. is not a democracy. The United States is a constitutional republic. You guys are not exactly a democracy. You're a, uh, a constitutional monarchy, if you will, uh, or yep. something to that effect. So we're not actually defining these things. What we do is the same thing we do with our economies. We say, oh, well, we're a capitalist society. No, we are not. We are not a capitalist society, not a true capitalist society, any more than we're a true democratic society, because we take a mix of things. That's what we always do. We take this part and that part and this part and that part, and we throw it all together and we just make a system out of it. And that's what we need to do again. And it needs to be done on the correct terms. And we need true statesmen going forward. We don't have any true statesmen right now. We haven't for a very long time. I'll tell you what we have. We have managers and idiots that think they're geniuses. That's what we have in power. Well, that's the parents' fault, isn't it? They, they've praised them for every minor achievement or, or just doing it. It's not even achievements, really. <laughs> we're, we're too, we're, we've grown too willing to heap praise upon mediocrity. And um, it's it's got us to where we are, I'm afraid. So these people who haven't got any real um, drive about them are exactly the kind of people that these, for want of a better word, New World Order, globalist elite would pick to put into political positions. Because if someone has got some drive and, and a, a will of their own and an idea and any kind of sense... They would balk against things. They'd, they'd move on. Yeah, they just wouldn't go with it. That's why these mediocre, easily corruptible, led by the nose, pieces of excrement wind up in our governments. And to that point, blackmail. Boy, they are going hard after Mr. Russell Brand, aren't they? They are really going after him. I, I kind yeah, of figured that it was only a matter of time because he started yeah. the, the way that he started talking. Um, he's... he's yeah, go on. He's go very on. eloquent. And when he, he was on, who's that chat show host? He, he, Bill Murray, was it? Or no, not Bill Murray. Joe Rogan? No, no, the, the older one. He's the big guy. It wasn't Joe Rogan, or was it? The one that clip he was we just, saw. He was just on Joe Rogan, uh, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Where he was saying that basically, if you have a system where big pharma benefits from uh, medical crisis, and defense companies benefit from war and uh, energy companies benefit from energy crises, you are creating a, an environment where you lurch from crisis to crisis to crisis. Possibly. I'm not sure. Let me see if I can find the clip, but you can continue on. Yeah. So 
he put it very succinctly uh, in terms that everyone would understand. And he spoke nothing but fact. And in doing so, he painted a great big figure 11 target onto his body. Yeah, it was it was bound to happen sooner or later. And when you have lived that opulent, debauched Hollywood lifestyle of drugs, alcohol and sex, you are going to have some dirt that people can either embellish or make up or actually put forward to ruin you when people want you to be ruined. And he may well be guilty of the allegations. But I've got a strong feeling that these allegations are from uh, people who were groupies, hangers-on, just after fame by association. And, you know, as I said in prep, the women that are making these allegations were in his hotel room, were in his house. They weren't, you know, he didn't just walk into a supermarket and grab the checkout girl, did he? He didn't just walk into a bar, sexually assault the barmaid or a waitress. No, these women went into an isolated space, whether it's a hotel room or his house, his home, and whatever happened, they were there, probably aware of the fact that sex was about to take place. Now, if they say no, if they said no to him, then he's committed a crime. Uh, if he's if he's pushed and forced and as as these allegations are made, but we looked at some of the clips. If you look at his back catalogue of stand up, the kind of stuff that he talks about, he's always pushed the envelope. It wouldn't take much for someone to look through his back catalogue of stand up recordings and pick some things out that they could then get somebody who would be paid an awful lot of money to say to say and to make a testimony against him. It would be easy. It's the shit sandwich. Hide the lie in between two pieces of truth. That's what I think's happening. Yes, he was totally debauched, but he's absolutely cleaned his act up. We've got the same situation with Boris, and I said this in prep as well. Boris, we knew he was a liar, a prolific pram filler, a philanderer, uh, an unfaithful idiot. Yet we still voted him in because we wanted him to, to achieve something for us. And later, his other mistakes that he made during Convid saw him out of office. We have these people within the public eye, within public life, who have got a past. And at some point or another, the blackmailers can drag that past up to bite them in the ass. And that's what they do. They'll go back 8, 9, 10, 12, 15 years in some cases, and they'll get some post that you put somewhere about something that was acceptable at the time. And I mean, look at where we are agenda-wise. You can't say things now that you could have said three years ago or even a year ago, and it will get even worse as we go forward. That that process will intensify. You talked about him talking about a crisis. I, I do apologize. He was not just on the Joe Rogan show. This clip just popped up a while back, and I thought that he was on Joe Rogan just this past week or so, but he was not. Uh, but this is one he did a while back on the energy companies. But it wasn't until he started making statements like this did he start to become a target. When he started questioning these uh, jabs and the policies of governments and the uh, policies of the, the pharma companies and the financial institutions and um, the energy companies, then all of a sudden, all these allegations come out. And it, it's like it's like this every single time. It's the same rollout every single time. But here he is on Joe Rogan. 
how can you have energy companies that profit when there's an energy crisis, military industrial complex that profits when it's a war, pharmaceutical companies that profit when there's a pandemic? You're creating the necessity for ongoing crisis. Yes. If the elites in the society benefit from situations that are detrimental to everybody else, that's what reality is going to become. That's what exactly. reality has become. That's such an important point because that's almost undeniable. And, and, and to say that they wouldn't do that because they value human life and morals and ethics over profit, that's never been no. exhibited. That's not true. That's not a true statement. No, the opposite is true. The opposite is provable. The opposite yeah. is provable whether it's Halliburton or whether it's pharmaceutical companies or whether it's politicians or bankers. The, the opposite has always been true. That, prof, that we are profit-driven, and especially if they can find some sort of way to justify these horrific acts some in some way way, shape, or form, if they could have this diffusion of responsibility where it's not their call or not their fault, they're part of a corporation, the corporation has to do this, and this is just what we do, you got to crack a few eggs to make an omelet, that's where we find ourselves. And um, the only way we're going to get out of this is if we, the the collective all of us, that whether you're on the left or whether you're on, you're on the right, recognize this stupid game that people are playing. Recognize this hustle and don't get sucked into it. Yeah. Joe Rogan, what's, what's his background? Was he Secret Service or something? No, he was um, he was a comedian, actually. And he later became a, uh, a commentator for uh, UFC fights. And that was it. That was his that was his thing. He was a, he was a comic back in the day. I, I, saw, I saw him do the, the common commentary for the UFC fights, but I thought he had some kind yeah. of law enforcement or no, establishment no. kind no. of uh, of background. No, he just he just he started this this whole um you know this, this podcast thing of his and he just asks the right questions and he gets the right people and that's it. What he said at the end there people need to see through the fact that it's a game that is being played. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned it last time that I was on which was a while ago now. Yeah, we do apologize for that. I, I put circumstances a, a, beyond our control. I, I was watching Prime Minister's Question Time and saw Keir Starmer and Rishi Sunak basically burning each other across the ball sack, making as as bigger allegation and insult as possible to each other. And I thought, oh, this is giving me indigestion because I only turned the TV on while I was having a sandwich for lunch. And it is just a game. And I wrote it here on, on my one page of notes. I said, it's just a game, but the the game master is the global elite. They're the game master. They're setting up a a role-play game, a game of Dungeons and Dragons or, or Hero Quest for these politicians to play. So the ultimate goal is the same, but it's which side wins the most experience points, and by that I mean votes. So they're allowed to play off against each other as long as they're heading for the agreed goal of the globalists. So in this case, Agenda 2030, the 17 Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, and it's Ned said this, uh, and I agree with him, don't look at the things that they're arguing about. Look at what they've agreed on. That reveals their true intent. The bill that's getting way too much approval in the UK at the moment is this energy bill, which can see you put in jail for not complying with their regulations. And it really is aimed at uh, people who own buildings for other people to live in. It's aimed at um, landlords initially, but 
the legislation will apply to everybody. And eventually, if they want to, they, they it, it's just one more thing that will give them to, to crack down on normal people, people who don't own several homes that they rent out, just one home. But if they're using too much energy and not complying, then they can wind up in jail. So that's one thing that has miraculously got through the Houses of Parliament with only 18 people voting against the bill out of 620 seats. It's outrageous. But again, if if people look at these things that have happened and and join up the dots, you were talking with Melissa last week about, um, I think it was mentioned as, is it the first miracle? Yes. So that that awakening, the first miracle is when someone realizes that, you know, the government isn't your friend and they actually see through the the see through the matrix to coin that that phrase and see the lies being told in mainstream media and see the propaganda that they're being fed and how they're being manipulated. But if you join the dots up, you soon start to, to realise you, you have to join those dots up. When Boris Johnson was mayor of London, one of the things that hit the news about that he'd purchased were water cannon vehicles, anti-riot water cannons, which I think he bought maybe from one of the Baltic countries, like Estonia or somewhere like that. And why? Why was he buying water cannons? Brit- the British public aren't known, not like the French, for 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 violent protests we're we're more known for that peaceful protest and if politicians put forward viable sensible policies in front of the populace there should be no resistance to those but if there are resistance to them normally here in the UK it's a petition it's a march but it's peaceful so why were they going to need water cannons bearing in mind this was before brexit and it was before Convid. So he knew that there were some policies going to be instigated that were going to have um, people up up in arms and being quite violent about. However, the media job, the media propaganda job, really curtailed the numbers. We still had marches with 200,000 people, even a million people marching about lockdown restrictions and and covid precautions like mask wearing and social distancing and all that kind of stuff however they didn't turn violent the marches about black lives matter and and the counter protests about black lives matter and the desecration of national monuments they got a bit handy uh, and and a bit violent but that was largely due to the way the metropolitan police kettled the two factions, and then forced them, supposedly unknowingly, to areas where they were concentrated together. And that's when it sparked off. So look at the things that have happened. And then because we've got the benefit of hindsight now, we can backtrack these decisions and these things where the parties agreed and soon work out exactly what the plan is. Uh, and and why they made those decisions in the first place. Well, you said a lot there. Um, so let me let me kind of throw in my perspective. Okay, so you know I've been studying the international communist movement for a long time, right? And we yeah. discussed we discussed, and I, I hate to keep throwing this in there, but I have to make these connections because you you made points about joining up dots. Okay, well we have to join up the dots because we have policies right now 
of denial that are in our body politic and in our foreign policy institutions. We need to look at things in an objective reality and dismiss the subjective truths that were thrown all day long, i.e. climate change. I will get to that at a later point. But we need to consider what's actually being done here. You talk about the globalists. Okay, who are they? We just say globalists, right? Financial institutions, big bankers, a whole bunch of billionaires. Well, we we listed them a while ago. I mean, two, three years ago, we did uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, two yeah. podcasts yeah. about we did. who we are did. they? We did. However, at the time, we didn't know what we know now. And the research has gone much more in depth. Now, consider the following of what I'm about to say, right? Because of the way in which Marxism-Leninism is constructed, there's no room at all for compromise or negotiation that would alter the goals of those principles. Isn't that kind of what you just said? They have yeah, their, their ultimate goal and they're not yeah. to deviate from that. Okay. So they're following that in my opinion. Okay. In my opinion, they're following that. All right. This is a fundamental goal that they're following. Klaus Schwab, when he gives a speech from his office, what's on the bust on the, on the shelf behind him? Yeah. There's bust of Lenin. Uh-huh. Yeah. Compromise and negotiation are used only as a tactic to further those goals. So there cannot be any deviation from that. They can use the negotiation and the compromise only to achieve tactical and strategic advantages to that end goal. It doesn't go any further than that. Now, where do we stand as far as the financial institutions? Well, again, let's throw this into it. Consider, the, for example, the basic Marxist-Leninist rules for a takeover. Okay, Nationalize the banks and nationalize industry. We're going to shut down all the industry or we're going to move it to China, right? To a communist yeah. country. We're going to get them to now run our industry because of the cheap labor and the no uh, ethics, no morals, no whatever. We're going to shut down all of your financial institutions. We're going to merge everything into one, i.e., Central bank digital currencies, get rid of cash, right? Shut down the ATMs, shut down private transactions. You're nationalizing the banks. Destroy the capitalist class. What did they do during COVID with the lockdowns, right? They shut down all those yep. businesses that they couldn't control. Nationalization of banks and other large financial institutions is a priority because of their power over industry. So they've got to control all of that. Nationalization of banks facilitates nationalization of industry. Destruction of a capitalist class, which would be the entire state structure of our systems here in the West, is a top priority for them. If there are no seeds of capitalism that can germinate, if there's no free market, then guess what? They control the future. So we've got to take all these things into consideration. There's a deeper underlying thing that's going on here. Now, if you were a computer program, right, uh, if you were um, a system restore, what you've just done is fix my System 32 error, okay? Because uh, th this was another thought that occurred to me when you were talking to Melissa. People uh, are pretty much like sponges. Some are more like sponges than others. And I don't mean taking handouts and, and just leeching things from people. What I mean is they absorb information. But if they don't know how that information fits together, then their System 32 can make no sense of, of, of where their files are, what files they have. And that... What you just said there is is a system 32 system restore, and it should join the dots up. But we still have this old money there. And, and you and I don't quite agree at the moment on who's actually calling the shots. Is it the ideologues, the, the um, you know, the, the, the communists uh, and their leaders? Bear in mind, when this all started, most of them have actually died. They ha they're not still alive. You know, this goes back to about 90. When was the Russian Revolution? 1917. 1917. Right. So let's give it 10 years after that to establish things. The, that also 
coincides with other things like Count Kudenhof Kalergi, the Japanese Austro-Hungarian guy who was instrumental in the setup of the League of Nations. He was funded by the good old Rothschilds way back then, who also funded both sides of every conflict in Europe for getting on for 250 years. They are still there today. Their hereditary line has carried on in that very lucrative business of making money out of crises. And just like Russell Brand says, it's funny how all these things link together, just like he says, no money market actually makes any progress without there being some form of crisis-induced chaos. It's how that prick Soros managed to break the Bank of England. It's how uh, all these big pharma companies and ultimately their backers have, have made billions out of a lab-created, mostly harmless virus. What isn't mostly harmless is the bloody vaccine. That's what's actually killing people. So who is really calling the shots? We've listed who the New World Order is. We didn't include, well, we did include the CCP at the time and the, we did, and the yeah. Soviets yeah. yeah, as part of it. But who's really call, well, calling the shots? Yeah, what you have now, just to, just to, for clarity's sake, what you have now is what you with China. We don't call it this, and they don't publicly admit this, but they do still call themselves the Chinese Communist Party. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, but what you have in China is you have uh, a, it, really what you have is a Soviet China because their system is modeled on what the Soviet Union was. They took their structure from it and they still use it today. And that goes for not just their government processes and the Marxist Leninist uh, and well Maoist in, in that case, but also in business and their business dealings. Yeah. And so if they're a model of the Soviet bloc, the Soviet bloc having to all intents and purposes and and to observation, you know, observation having collapsed, but funnily enough, they still seem to be doing okay. Now, yes, the Russians have always been short of things on the shelves, haven't they? There's always yeah. been big queues and the, and this kind of stuff. You don't see much of that in in China at the at the moment, do you? You see their big ultra modern cities where everything's available. You don't see many reports or or sorry, I'm, what are you going to say? I'm curious just on that point. I'm curious when you were in China, right? Because you, you you've talked about how you've been there a couple of times. When you were in China, did they have the queuing and everything at that point in time? Because no. they weren't quite as developed as they were then. When you no, were there. but then again, Shanghai. I was in, I've been to Shanghai and I've been to Hong Kong. Well, Hong Kong has always been kind of you know it was, yeah, was but different. Shanghai but. was built by the British. That's true. If yes. you yeah, if you true. look at the 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 original city, I was on HMS Manchester when I went to Shanghai, and we'd also visited Liverpool and Manchester on the same ship to visit Manchester, and we got as far as the Liverpool ship canal, and then we bust into Manchester to go to official functions and those kind of things. But if you look at the Liver Building, which is the big municipal sort of um, council building in Liverpool. Then look at the buildings in Shanghai that were there in, we're going back some, 1986. They're almost identical. It's almost like the, the same blueprints were, were used to build those buildings. So at the time, those places, there, there were no queues. There were people at five o'clock in the morning all doing Tai Chi or ballroom dancing. Everybody was on bicycles. There wasn't that many vehicles about. 
they didn't issue us with uh, actual Chinese currency. They gave us things called friendship tokens for which they got hard sterling uh, and we could only spend them in certain shops. And vodka was 12p a bottle. And that's dangerous with a bunch of uh, bored bunch sailors. Of sailors. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was, yeah, the, no, there, there were no signs of shortages, shall we say. And Hong Kong, being a financial centre, there was opulence, there was poverty as well, but there were businesses that were busy. Um, tailors, there were whole streets of tailors. Asians love tailored suits. They love tailored yeah. suits. Well, I, what I wanted, because I, I, one of the earlier martial arts that I was studying was, was Kung Fu, um, you know, Chinese martial arts, studying them here in the UK. And the one thing you couldn't get was those um, uh, leisure suits, I think is what they call them. So if you imagine Bruce Lee with the white collar and the black uh, sort of jacket with the, yeah. the ties going across the yeah. front. Like Klaus Wolf when he goes to his conferences there, yes. Yeah, I had two of those made in Hong Kong, uh, and I wish I still had them. I was really annoyed, though. I got, I got quite ups quite upset because when I came back on leave, went to my kung fu club to, to go training, the guy who was teaching said, only I'm allowed to wear one of those. You're not allowed to wear them. So later that evening, in a sparring session, I knocked him uh -huh. through the floor. Yeah, I, <laughs> As you I should have. Quite, as I should have, yeah. But again, so many things are made up. So many things are fake. The style of Kung Fu that that was, and I didn't know any better at the time, it was called Heaven and Thunder Fist. And it, it was completely made up. Uh, and some some guy uh, in, the, in the sort of wilds of Norfolk decided... I'm gonna I'm gonna make my own style up and was teaching it and then he had a few other instructors that he'd graded up to black belt and they were gonna uh, be other sifus and this guy got bent out of shape because I had a nicer costume than he did oh, but no it, well it, at least you settled we, it in a in a proper way I did a thing called the rolling axe kick which is um, actually is part of Kokushinkai karate and I didn't know that until quite recently really I thought I'd invented it. So you aim your elbow where you want to hit and you go into a rolling break fall to come back onto your feet and you leave the leg trailing and the heel winds up hitting wherever you aimed that elbow as you started this circle. And unfortunately, I did break his cheekbone. Oh, dear. But, hey, you know, it serves him right for not letting me wear my new pajamas. Say, yeah, I was going to say, did he, did he wear the coat when he was in the uh, the dentist office getting getting his jaw set there? I, I don't know. As I recall, the guy was, I won't say his name, but I can remember what his name was. And his wife was another one of the instructors. But he he was an ex-burglar, um, as it turned out. Uh, and uh, he'd done time. And he'd uh, obviously met this guy who'd made up this style of karate, uh, sorry, Kung Fu, he Heaven and Thunder Fist, probably in prison and started running a little, a little club, but got bent out of shape because I had better pajamas. Mm -hmm. Anyway, okay, well, that was one hell of a tangent. Um, shortages. Yeah. But yeah, they are they are no uh, no stranger to shortages. In, and you know what? China doesn't have shortages right now, at least not that I'm aware. Um, but they're, if their economy continues the, on the track that it's on, they're about to. Well, the ones who will suffer will be the ones in the city because the yes. subsistence farmers will still have enough. If you look at YouTube, just go onto YouTube and somewhere along the along the feed, you will see Chinese people 
gathering food out of forests, cooking weird and wonderful things and turning them into really nice meals. You'll see all kinds of agricultural ingenuity in terms of irrigation systems, in terms of harvesting and planting systems, all done by these Chinese farmers. It's not big tech, it's not highly modern, but it's extremely uh, ingenious. And I think also that those images are there to make us think we are in the West, weaker, less able. It's all part of the propaganda. However, I, I think that, that those kind of things are happening out in the agricultural areas of, of China. And those subsistence farmers, they'll still be fed, but the people in the city might, might struggle a bit. Indeed. Well, we're getting close to time here. We're going to kick out of here a few minutes early, but uh, you will be on later on this week. And again, apologies for you not being on last week, but technical difficulties again. So like we had to we had to put out a rerun that day. You will be on for a second day this week. Any final points you would like to make today? Well, I'm just looking down my notes. I made this point earlier on, but again, it, I, I think it, it's crucial. If you look at what we are being presented as policy by our current governments, they make no sense at all. Unless your system 32 is is working properly, then they make perfect sense. But the, the sense that they make is this is to break economy and make us weaker and to put more control on the populace rather than to make us stronger, make us more financially viable and give people what they need and deserve. So if viable, sensible policies are presented to a populace, there should be no need for resistance or protest. However, look at what is being put in front of us at the moment and tell me, do these things not need to be protested? And, and I would say you're going to come up with the answer. If your system 32 is working right, that yes, we do need to protest. We do need to stop and we do need to resist. That's well said, my friend. It's been a great conversation as always. We will see you later on in the week. So that'll do it for us for today. Thank you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone. And have a great evening.